terms like marketing and selling don't get used a lot in internal audit, but terms like persuasion uh, certainly should be front and center because if we don't have any persuasive skills, how do we how do we expect to convince people to listen to us and to take uh, the recommendations uh, that we offer them? I, I mean, to me, that's the essence of success there is your ability to win uh, their trust and then persuade them uh, to follow your advice. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction through an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Audit Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Russell. Today on the show, we have Richard Chambers. He's the former president and CEO of the IIA. He is currently the Senior Internal Audit Advisor to Audit Board. He also has the Audit Trail Academy that he founded. It's coming to the U.S. soon, so keep an eye out for that. As well as his blog that he's been doing, it seems like, forever. Uh, if you go to his website, if you just Google Richard Chambers' blog, you'll be able to find it. But there's also a link in the show notes to this blog that, specifically that we're talking about that was the topic of today's conversation. So. Click that link, go sign up for the blog. If you haven't already, give him a follow on LinkedIn as well. So the topic for the, the day is based again on this blog that Richard wrote called The Seven Strategic Risks That Threaten the Future of Internal Auditing. I'm not gonna go into a ton of detail as far as the questions that we, we dive into, but we basically take each strategic risk one at a time. We aggregate a couple of them uh, where it's tech and IA kind of thing. But basically hit on each one of those, get a little bit more context around those, why they are strategic risks, some ways to, again, um, or even some ways to overcome those also. So with that said, here we go. All right, so what has been in your internet browser history this past week or so? Oh gosh, you know, new year, new uh, new issues, new, new risks. Uh, I, I think if I were to be totally honest, the thing that has comprise a lot of my browser history this week has been uh, reviewing and looking at profiles of other uh, thought leaders and internal audit influencers, leaders in social media. And I've been doing that uh, as part of the annual process I go through to kind of recommend um, a group of uh, thought leaders or influencers for people to follow uh, who, who focus on internal audit. So that's been, uh, I probably looked at a hundred profiles in the past week and got that down to 25. You know, this year we had an average of, I think they had an average of 17,000 followers. So they, there, there's some folks out there that are really starting to get a lot of traction talking about and, and writing about and sharing, uh, sharing knowledge about internal audit. How do you, how do you do that? Do you just through you scroll through LinkedIn or you take feedback from other people who do you recommend and then you go check them out and then you go 
uh, I like what they're saying, or maybe I don't like what they're saying, but they're getting the conversation going. Oh, you know, it's a lot of things. I, 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 I think all of the above, although I would tell you that I, uh, I, I, I really feel like I'm objective and I do not filter anybody out just cause I don't agree with them. There's some folks that I included in, uh, the talk, the thought leaders to follow that, that I rarely, agree. <laughs> but they're out there, as I said in my article, they're in the arena. They're willing to get out there and raise issues and, uh, and engage in debate. And to me, that's what you want. That's what elevates and grows a profession. And I, that's why I, I put this together. You know, I want to, what I really want through, whether it's through my 25 thought leaders to follow, my follow the leader, um, whether it's my follow the leader list that I do this time of the year, whether it's my internal audit beacon awards that I do at the end of the year, the reason I'm doing it is to encourage more and more dialogue and discourse and advocacy about internal audit. And I can feel it. I can feel that that's growing. I don't know that I'm having, playing any part in it, but I can tell you there are a lot more people out there now actively talking about, writing about, and sharing thoughts about internal audit than there were three or four years ago. Yeah, I was going to say probably four years ago is when I started going in a decent amount on LinkedIn. And I would have to save people's profiles as a bookmark on in my browser so that was what was in my browsing history and i like every day i would just go in and click on that person and go all right what are they talking about nothing okay click on that person oh somebody posted something like i couldn't find this list basically that you've put together so i think it's 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 been very valuable i'm sure i enjoy the opportunity to help our profession continue to evolve and grow the eye does a, a an amazing job they do a magnificent job of being the leader of our profession but a professional with 2 million people, which is probably how many we have uh, around the world who are doing some form of internal audit. You get a professional with 2 million people. You can't just rely on one body to, to help elevate the whole profession. It's got to be, it's got to be a distributed effort. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We, we appreciate it. I know everybody's listening. Nobody's listening to the audit podcast if they're not wanting to learn more about the profession. So I'm sure the folks that are listening appreciate it also. Yeah. And while I'm at it, thanks for having me back. I, I think I was on one of your first podcasts and kind of neat uh, to, to to be a part of that and to watch what's happened and how it's grown. And I'm uh, excited to be back here and, and being a part of the conversation with you again. Yeah. I think we had to wait until you retired and I sent you a message. And if I recall, you were on your like kind of mini retirement. You were in Hawaii, I think, uh, when I asked, and you're like, "Yeah, aloha, yeah, I'll do it," or something to that effect. So yeah, that's, been, said, that's since been then, three, three years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Like so, uh, main topic of today is the article you wrote: seven strategic risks that threaten the future of internal auditing. And we always talk about risk in, in internal audit. That's probably the word we use the most. It seems like. And maybe it's just the other side of the coin or the perspective I like to look at it though is, all right, where are the opportunities? Like I would, as a executive, I feel like if we go to them and go, here's opportunities versus here's risks, they're going to be more open and receptive to opportunities. Tell me about that risk. Eh, that's not, you know, that doesn't tickle the brain quite as well. So from this list of seven, and we'll go into some details about those, where do you feel like is the most opportunity for internal audit? Oh, well, I think there are several key trends that are. Uh, certainly around technology, 
Um, there, there were several of those. And, and by the way, let me say this. The reason that I asked this question, and this is another one of those things that I've, I've been doing over the last two or three years, is because I, I want us to be willing to look at ourselves like we look at our clients. You know, we're out there uh, looking at uh, and doing continuous risk assessment in many cases of, our, of the clients, of the organizations we serve. And yet rarely do we turn that mirror around and say, what, what are the risks or as, as you correctly point out, what are the opportunities that we have? And so that's why I do it is to kind of keep that front and center and top of mind uh, on the part of people. But if I look at the list from this year, um, certainly technology is once again there. So it's technology, people, and probably a little bit of processes as well. Uh, not that different from strategic risks or how strategic risks fall out when you look at a lot of organizations. Um, in our case, we're looking at ourselves as a, a profession. But the way I worded the, the survey, because I went out with a survey, first time I tried to use SurveyMonkey, by the way, uh, all, all by myself. I always had people who helped me with that in the past. So it was kind of a simple uh, survey instrument, one question, and I had like 10 or 12 strategic risks and I asked people to pick their top three. And so, you know, when you start to look at them, uh, they fall into categories, right? So technology and people are, uh, are are very consistent in that list. So on the, and that's really no surprise on either front, people or technology, but on the people front, and let me, let me plug a prior episode. I had to look this up because I wanted to make sure. We had Megan Blackstone on. She was, for those interested that haven't heard it, episode 149. And she, I mean, she lays out the playbook on this is exactly how we uh, retain people in our internal audit department. She's like, this is, we do this and we do this. And every week we do this and every day we do this. And so it is the playbook of this is exactly what you can do. So if you're an audit leader, highly recommend listening to it and implementing those. If you're not an audit leader and you are staff, senior, whatever, I advise you to listen to it and then go to management and go your your leadership group and go, hey, can we do some of this? It sounds pretty sweet, and I would be more likely to stay here if we implemented some of this. So yeah, it's kind of like why are why are you doing this for me, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so I did want to plug that, but I also want to get what are, what are your general thoughts? I know that was last year that was a big risk, if not the number one risk, was hiring uh, and retention, and it seems like it's still here. Uh, general thoughts on that as a topic. You know, it just seems to uh, it just seems to fester this uh, this challenge around talent. I I guess like a lot of people, I, I I saw it emerge very quickly as a risk in the wake of COVID, and you can kind of understand why. You know, you had uh, you had people making job moves because of uh, remote work kind of opportunities, and and uh, because they wanted to just kind of go off and find themselves in the great resignation. You had a lot of that going on. And I think a lot of us thought, well, this is going to just be transitory. Things will settle back down in a couple of years. And here we are four years later. Um, and we're, we're still talking about this. So I've asked the question two different ways. I asked the question, what were the most disruptive factors for your internal audit function last year? And shortage of talent came out number one. And then what is the biggest strategic risk looking five years out and talent comes in number one again. So I don't think this is going away anytime soon. 
And, and by the way, I don't think it has to do with just not being able to find people for internal audit or hire people. It's finding people with the right skills, you know, like data analytics, your, your, your wheelhouse. It's, it's like, where do I find these people? And, it, and, and when there's a general shortage of talent in the marketplace, and I'm a, let's say, a small to middling internal audit function, how the heck do I possibly compete? to get this really extraordinary talent to come in and help lift our audit, our audit department even higher. So so that is seen as the number one strategic risk, and it's it's usually not even close, and it wasn't this year. Yeah, especially for the ones competing for talent, if you don't have a remote option and you're in a talent desert of sorts, it's extremely difficult. Hey, come move to this city. <laughs> no, nobody wants to. The people who live there don't want to live there. Well, you're right, and it's 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 a matter of if you're in, uh, you know, let's let's pick some small to middling city. I'm not going to uh, get anybody up in arms by naming one, but let's say you're talking about a city that isn't in the top 25, uh, but you've got an important internal audit function there, maybe a company's headquarters in your town. How do you compete for talent if you say you got to move here? Yeah, because you may not be able to get any takers. So I'm just uh, I'm just saying. That's a factor, but it's not the only factor. Um, you've got to, it, it's the, the whole package uh, when it comes to talent management. And that's why I say you need a talent management strategy because if there's, I mean, talent is your biggest strategic risk. So you sure don't ma manage it tactically. You've got to manage it strategically. And that starts by understanding where, where do we need to be in five years or three years when it comes to talent in our organization? And how are we going to close the gap from where we are to there? Similar topic. So there, and you had learning or the inability to use tech as one risk of the seven. And then similarly, inability to use AI. I just kind of grouped those together. So if, you, if you want to differentiate, that's fine. But to me, it seemed so, I don't know, easy to do, if nothing else, largely because there's so much free content on the internet to learn from, to learn how to do this, like, Excel, Google anything about Excel, and there's a hundred thousand different ways to do whatever it is you want to do. And a lot of it is free, YouTube, et cetera. And so to me, it's just always kind of mind blowing to go, how could you not just, you know, spend an hour a week and play around with data basically that you, that you know? Um, so, so what are you saying? Like, why, why are those two, why is that still like the number two issue? Do you feel like? Well, I, I think perhaps a lot of people still think about, um, technology tools for internal audit as not being the stuff you can buy off the shelf. It's or it's not it's not stuff that comes embedded with your your Microsoft suite. It's it's really more uh, you know the kind of of solutions, uh, risk management solutions, data analytics, um, internal audit management systems. Those are <clears throat> those are a bit more sophisticated uh, than 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 how do I use Excel spreadsheets? I agree with you. Um, there's probably a shortage of that as well, but um, of, of leveraging those tools as well. But I think the biggest reason why this is continues to be a challenge and is likely to, likely to continue to be a challenge is that a lot of internal audit functions don't have the budgets to go out and acquire the technology. And you know, the so the risk is um, the inability to leverage technology for audit. Well, you can't leverage what you don't have. 
And so a lot of internal audit functions simply don't have it. They don't have the budgets. They don't know how to go about winning the right um, the right champions over in their organizations. Um, the audit board put out a great uh, blog a few months ago about how do you how do you uh, win uh, how do you identify and win the support of the right people to get you technology investments in your company. And uh, and so to me this is. This is the biggest challenge for internal audit functions that don't have uh, or don't leverage technology effectively. Now, I differentiate with AI there because a lot of a lot of the ability to leverage AI, particularly if we're talking about you know generative AI, um, is it, I mean that's not a big investment. That's really just a matter of being courageous enough to get out there and try it and and to be willing to be innovative in how you do it. I, I'm sure there'll be a lot of great solutions that start to emerge. There already are. I mean, even at Audit Board, we've got uh, we've got some AI capabilities that are being built into our tools, even as we speak. But uh, I I think that's one that I uh, I thought would be a little higher uh, because when you look at the statistics, there's still not a lot of internal audit functions out there that have have played around with or used AI very much. I think the art, I think your article says 50 to 75% haven't, and we did a, at a conference, it was the audit board conference and I was on a panel and we just asked, Hey, in the audience, raise your hand. If you use chat GPT and this was in October, 2023. So it'd been around almost a year to where anybody could just pop it open on their phone or whatever and do it easily half raise their hand. Yeah. We're, we're really not, we're really not an innovative we're just not. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, you know my background. I've been doing this for almost fifty years. I came into an internal audit department for the first time fifty years ago, Nick. And I can tell you that the way we did internal audits in nineteen seventy-five is not radically different from the way internal audits are done today, other than the use of some technology. Uh, we we still we still haven't been innovative and daring some of the some of the work that's being done in agile auditing starting to starting to get there but we're just not we're just not a a daring and innovative profession and we got to change that we've got to change that one of the strategic risks that i thought might rate a little higher didn't even make the top seven was that ai would take over part of what we do you know it's this sort of disintermediation thing and uh, and internal auditors don't think that's a big risk. I wouldn't be so sure about that because if we don't if we don't do some things to differentiate ourselves and start to leverage the technology, the technology will 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 subsume uh, a lot of what we do, particularly AI. I believe in the future. Yeah, there's the. AI is not going to take over the profession or your job. It's the people that don't know how to use it are the ones that are, are the ones that know how to use it are going to basically take the job. Um, but you mentioned earlier about resource constraints relative to the inability to leverage technology. I was talking to a CAE and I asked some question. I know you've asked it too, and you've written literally a book on it, but the like characteristics of an effective internal auditor or something to that effect. But I asked him, you know, like what characteristics of a CAE do you think is most important? And this one said the ability to sell. And that is selling change to executives, selling um, the 
strategy selling, but then also literally selling them on, no, we need this tool to do this. And this is the end result. Do you kind of agree with that? Do you think selling, there's a lack of, um, an inability to sell? Well, I, I agree with, with the premise there. I probably would use the term persuade and persuasion rather than sell and selling. Um, because I think selling and sales kind of kind of turns us off a little bit as a profession because we somehow don't feel like that you always use the most genuine approaches in that. I don't think that's necessarily true, but but th- I think that's one of the reasons why terms like marketing and selling don't get used a lot in internal audit. But terms like persuasion uh, certainly should be front and center because if we don't have any persuasive skills, how do we how do we expect to convince people to listen to us and to take uh, the recommendations uh, that we offer them? I, I mean, to me, that's the essence of success there is your ability to win uh, their trust and then persuade them uh, to follow your advice. Uh, one of the other seven was lack of IT expertise. So typically you think of IT auditors. I've always thought I came up as IT auditor through that path, got into data and went, hey, I really like this. I'm going to keep doing this. I, I see there's more value here, in my opinion, in doing this. And I just enjoyed doing it. But I've always been curious about, because they've said there was a professor once, probably five years ago, said that when he was in school 20 years ago, his audit professor or accounting, whoever it was, said, everybody in this class needs to be an IT auditor today because in five years, that's going to be the expectation. And he said, that was 20 years ago. And he's like, we're still saying that. So to me, considering how much use of tech our organizations have, I've been expecting this trend of the ratio of operational auditor to IT auditor would shrink to where there would be more IT auditors that you would start to hire on. But I really haven't seen that. It's like one falls off, you replace that one, and we're going to keep that about the same. Um, do you see that changing? Do you think that's ever going to change? Is, is that a wrong way to think about it? Or is it just uh, our maybe inability to change as a profession? Well, you know, I, I think, first of all, if if we look back 20 years, the your, your average internal auditor had far less technology acumen than your average internal auditor today. So while, while we still talk about IT auditing and operational auditing maybe as different kind of skill sets, um, I would tell you that your typical uh, operational or staff auditor, whatever you term you want to apply, today is far more technically or technology proficient than their counterpart would have been 20 years ago. That said, I think that um, this is this is kind of a steady race, right? And it's not going to end. It's We're not going to get to a place. I don't think we'll ever get to a place where everyone in the audit department is going to have the same level of skills around technology, nor do I think you necessarily want to. Um, I think one of the reasons why uh, the inability to audit technology continues to rate so high because it's been in the top five uh, every time I've done this strategic risk survey. The reason uh, that I think it is, is, is again, it's a function of the talent shortage around these skills and, and the cost, the cost of, of uh, maintaining and of establishing and maintaining and continuously developing a technology audit team is very expensive. It's why it's 
often the most, the most, well, let's put it, it's frequently the most outsourced function or co-sourced function of an internal audit function department or internal audit function is uh, the technology piece. You'll, you'll, you'll often decide, you know what, uh, rather than build our own IT audit capability here, let's go get one of the big four to do it or Protivity or one, one of the service providers out there to do this for us because they've got deeper pockets. They have the ability to attract the talent that we may not. And so I, I think that's likely to continue to be a trend in the foreseeable future. The continuing the overall trend of IT here, you talk about stakeholder audit slash oversight fatigue. Uh, where it's just like, hey, we're getting audited to death. Hey, we've got you know, third lines hitting us up, second lines hitting us up. They're asking us the same questions maybe every year, the same findings every year. Not a lot of value there. And we're just getting hit at all these different angles. Like to, we can't do our jobs because of all the oversight that's coming on. Do you feel like, uh, especially as a senior advisor to, to audit board to that allows the communication of all these various groups to do that, do you feel like... IT or audit board type solutions in general would help mitigate some of that oversight fatigue. Well, I, I, I do. And, and I think what, so first of all, I think oversight fatigue to the extent that there is a risk there is, is more of a resource, um, function or resource concern. So particularly, for example, in financial services, you look at, you look at some of these industries and some internal audit functions. They've grown exponential, but but they aren't alone. You've had exponential growth in your compliance functions and your risk management functions. And and the fact is the the cost of oversight has grown pretty much consistently or continuously since the, uh, the financial crisis. And so what the concern is, is at what point do the stakeholders say, wait a minute, we're spending billions millions anyway, on oversight. And I can't even tell the difference between what these guys do, and these guys do. And I can't tell the difference between audit and risk management. They both claim they're providing me uh, independent assurance on risk. I, at, at some point, you, you, you have to be concerned that those stakeholders are going to say, we got to cut some costs here. And I don't see a need to have two separate functions that are doing the same thing. So that's what stakeholder audit slash oversight fatigue is about is, are we getting our money's worth in all of the the money or the investment we make in in oversight? All right. So to kind of recap, we have these seven uh, risks to the profession. That article is linked in the show notes um, so folks can see in more detail what what that is all about. Um, It's on Richard's blog, so engage with it there. And then on LinkedIn, it was recently posted, uh, I think a few weeks ago, so it shouldn't be too difficult to find if you want to see what other folks are talking about also, which I think would be very beneficial uh, to get other perspectives on it. But with all that said, what do you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, thanks, Trent. Uh, And and you can find all of my blogs on my website, richardchambers.com. So let let me just say the one strategic risk sort of sort of the overarching strategic risk that I didn't specifically ask people to rate, but to me, it encompasses everything else that's on the list, is is complacency. I think the biggest risk to the internal audit function, because there's, as long as I've been around internal audit, you've always got a few people out there who say the sky is falling, 
Um, you know, it's continuous auditing. We're not going to be needed anymore. Now it's uh, artificial intelligence. We're not going to be needed anymore. The only real threat, existential threat to internal audit is not some new technology. It's not somebody who builds a better mousetrap. It's complacency on our part. Who it's, it's about us losing our edge, losing our passion, losing our sense of purpose. That's what worries me the most. Um, I don't see it as an imminent threat, but it, if anything ever causes internal audit to go away, it will be that we became complacent as a profession. We, we became too timid, uh, too, too threatened, too unwilling to push the envelope either through our own innovation or perhaps in terms of uh, taking on tough issues and tough topics. So that's the one that worries me the most. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.